1: Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast.
2: I'm your host, Rachel Ann Harding. And I'm your host, Isabel Hauser.
0: And I am your host, Simon Brooks. And we have some stories for you.
2: This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away and will bring you back safely.
1: Hello, hello, Story
2: Podcast
1: hosts. <sighs>
2: <laughs> Hi.
1: Hello. Hello to all of our listeners. We're still managing a hiatus, but we missed sharing stories with all of you. So we're popping back in your feed with some life updates and stories for the solstice. And the first story for this episode is by host Simon Brooks, but before you start us off with your story, what have you been up to these past few months?
0: Well, um I headed out to Athens in Alabama. <laughs> Then I headed out to the UK uh, for my brother's wedding and it was it was marvelous. I actually got to go to the Malvern Hills, um, which is not too far from Worcester, which is where everything was happening. And I got to see some of my old uh, Elven friends. Um, it was around about dusk when I was up there and there was a full moon in the sky and um, they came out and we, we went over old times that we'd spent spent together when I used to go up there on my childhood. So that was, that was super, super cool.
1: That sounds amazing. So what story are you telling us today?
0: I'm telling you the story of the evergreens, which is a story that's heard in any place where there's a lot of snow that drops over the winter. Once upon a time, a very long time ago, there was this, this young bird, and it was flying with all of its family, its relations, all of its comrades, that are flying south. For the winter because the snow was about to start and the weather was getting cooler and cooler and this little bird dove between the branches in between the trees thinking it was ever so clever but then its wing clipped one of the trees and it went tumbling out of the sky to land on the forest floor now this bird realized that as it got colder and colder with its broken wing it wasn't going to be able to fly anywhere and it needed shelter so it saw that this huge tree, this gorgeous tree, its trunk was wide and stout. The canopy of leaves was wide and broad. And it thought, this, this must be an important tree. I, I bet it will be able to help me out. Excuse me, tree, tree, tree. Could I bother your attention for a moment? And this, this oak tree, for that's what it was, this oak tree looked down at the little bird and said, what do you want with me? Oh, well, you see, I was, I was flying around and I knocked my wing and I, and I broke it and I can't fly anymore. And all of my family and friends, they don't notice I've gone missing and I, I need somewhere warm to spend the winter. And I was wondering if you could shelter me in your beautiful branches and your beautiful leaves. I'm far too important to look after the likes of you. I mean, look at my branches. They spread out so wide. They're as wide as my roots go underground, and the canopy above goes as deep as the root. I'm too busy being myself, being the oak to look after someone as small and as insignificant as you. The little bird looked up at the oak and said, "Oh."
3: Oh, okay
0: then. And it hopped through the forest looking for another tree that didn't look quite as stern as the oak, and it came to a, a maple tree. Oh, tree, tree, excuse me, I'm really sorry to bother you. Can, can, can I ask for your attention for a moment? Maple tree bent down its branches and, and, and looked at the bird and said, and, and what do you want? Oh, maple tree, um, I, I'm just a young bird and I was flying around and, and I clipped my, my wing and it, it broke and I can't fly and I need to be kept warm over the winter as it gets cold, and I was wondering if you could help me and, and protect me in your branches. Oh, do you think I can help you? Oh, I'm far too busy to help you. Don't you know what I am? I am a maple tree. I am busy, 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 busy making maple syrup in my veins i can't I can't spend the time looking for you and your your broken your broken branch, or broken wing, whatever you want to call it. No, no, run along, find somewhere else to to bother. I'm, I'm sorry to trouble you.' And so the little bird hopped and hopped and hopped and it came across a birch tree and it looked up at the birch tree and said the same thing and the birch tree leaned down and... "'Ah, now I'm way too busy. "'I can't look after you. "'I'm busy making my birch bark. "'People make all sorts of things from out of my birch bark. "'They make things like canoes. "'They make houses. "'They even make clothes out of my birch bark. "'I'm too busy. "'Run along, run along. "'Go on, off you go. "'Sorry, can't help you. "'Bye!' okay. The
3: little bird hopped through the trees and it came to this huge pine tree and the pine tree looked down at the little bird as it tried to
0: huddle. Are you all right down there? The bird looked up and said oh don't you worry about me but you seem rather upset. Well, yes, I've, I've broken my wing. I was flying in between the branches and the trees and I injured myself and I have to find somewhere warm. Well, why don't you come up into my branches? I'll keep you warm. And the pine tree lowered one of its limbs. Come on, come on up. And so the little bird hopped onto the limb and it rose its limbs. It says, come in close to the tree where you'll be warmest. Well, thank, thank you so much. And then the pine tree looked around the forest and it saw... It's saw a juniper bush. Juniper bush? Juniper bush? Oh, yeah. yes, where what, what, what do you want? Where do you want? Uh, can I help you in any way? Oh, yes, I, I have this, this little tiny bird here that's broken its wing and it has to stay with us over the winter. It can't fly. It's broken, you see. And, and I was wondering, you know, this little bird is going to need some food at some point. Could you think you could share its berries? Oh, I can absolutely share the berries of my bushes. Yes, 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 yes. And the fir tree looked around, the pine tree looked around. And it saw the hemlock, and it talked to the hemlock and asked if those, those fine needles could protect the bird from the wind when it blew through in the winter. And so the bird was looked after during the winter, staying snuggled up next to the trunk of the pine tree, going and get food from the juniper bushes, and being protected by the wind from the hemlock. And winter became spring, and the wing was mended and the little bird gave its thanks, and when it saw its friends and family flying above, heading back north, the little bird took after the other birds and rejoined them. Now you might think that's the end of the story, but it's not quite. You see, Mother Nature had been watching all of this, and Mother Nature, well, she had a few words to say to the oak tree. So, you said that you were too busy to look after that poor little innocent bird that had broken its wings. Well, yes, I am far too important to look after such a. Well, I don't think that was right. I think you have the total capacity to look after that tiny little bird, and yet you refuse. And you, Mister Maple Tree, with your, oh, I'm looking after my syrup. Yes, I don't like that very much either. You also could have helped that bird and the birch tree with your with your birch bark and oh, no, Mister Fashiony Pants. Yes, no, I don't like that at all. So from now on, you shall lose your your leaves in the winter and you will feel the cold that that poor little bird would have done if it hadn't been for the pine tree and the and the juniper bush
3: and the hemlock.
0: So they will keep their leaves. They will keep their needles. They will last all winter long. But the rest of you will lose your leaves. And that's how the trees in the forest, those deciduous trees, lost their leaves in the winter because they didn't look after the little bird. Yet the carnivorous trees, those pines, those hemlocks, those junipers, they keep their needles all
3: winter long because they did help the little bird. The evergreens, the end. such a sweet story.
2: It a nice one <laughs> And now, the fairy tale sponsor for this episode is Sandhouse Backpack Company. Sandhouse Backpack Company brings three sizes of pack: small, one liter, medium 3 liters, and large 5 liters.
0: They come in a variety of styles, such as carpet bag, shoulder bag, leather knapsacks, and black sacks. Dollar sign optional for whatever lifestyle you have. Now you might be thinking that five liters is not too large, but Santa's bags come packed with magic.
1: Fill these sacks (laughs) and. Fill these packs and sacks with everything you need, and it will all fit. Even the small pack can contain several elves and a small sleigh. Get your Santa's backpack today, as
2: used by Mary Poppins. The second story for this episode is by the host, Rachel Ann Harding. Before we begin, Rachel Ann, what have you been up to these past few months? <laughs> So in
1: August, a few days earlier than planned, I gave birth to a sweet baby boy. We named him Quentin John, and I have been going through, well, I, my husband and I, have been going through the agony and joy of being new parents, parents of the podcast, you know what I mean. The late nights and the early mornings, the excitement of the first smiles and giggles. He Quentin is, is such a joy. He's actually on my lap right now as we record this. He's totally passed out. Um, and we're really, really excited and blessed to have him here. You see, my husband and I were like the stories that began once upon a time. There was a husband and wife who wanted children, but no matter how hard they tried, no baby came to them. And in the stories, those couples, be it royal or common folk, they would go to the wise woman who would give them a piece of fruit or tell them to eat a flower or bathe in a river with some mud. And in our case, we went to a shady grove where we met with a wise woman who put me through some trials and tests. And after all of her trials, I laid five golden eggs And they gave us one golden egg back and they're saving the other eggs for later. And from the golden egg came baby Quinton. Now here's the thing. This baby is a little bit of a shape shifter. Sometimes he's a little dragon and he breathes fire and spit up and sometimes he's like a soft little kitten who makes the cutest little noises. Sometimes he's as quiet as snow in winter and other times he's howling like a siren, but we are really delighted with him and and so excited that he's part of the podcast family.
2: No, we're so delighted for you too. And what story are you going to tell us today? So the story I have for you today, well, where I sit,
1: I have the mountains. I have the mountains that are to the west of me, but the story that I'm about to tell you has no mountains. It has an ocean. You see by the sea in a little fishing village, there lived a husband and wife named Burl and Jenny and Burl. He had a smile as broad as his shoulders. He had a beard as big as his personality and Jenny, his wife, Oh, she loved him. So before he would go out to sea every day with the other fishermen of the village, she would give him a big kiss and a hug. And Oh, they seemed like the happiest couple, but you see, there was, there was one problem. Now, Jenny, She could spin a thread as fine as a spider's silk, but she could not bake a cake. She could sing like a lark, but her soups, oh, they were disasters. Jenny could not keep the house for anything. And, And you see, Burl was the only one who could eat her food because he loved her so much. But they seemed to get on. They seemed to make it work. Well, one afternoon... All of the fishermen went out in the boats on the ocean. And it was one of those afternoons that seemed beautiful and bright and then in the next moment the clouds began to roll in purple and dark and angry like a bruise on the sky and the rain began to fall across the ocean across the town it began to fall thicker and thicker the waves getting higher and higher until all of the villagers they gathered down by the docks Jenny among them looking out to the ocean hoping to see some of the boats come in see any of them come in but through the rain and the storm none of them could see anything and then and then someone shouted look And they all turned and saw where this person was pointing, and it was not out to the ocean. No, it was up, up on that hill where Jenny and Burl had their little house, and that house, she had left something undone, and it was going up in fire. Even with the rain, that little house was going up like a matchhead that had been struck on a box. And everyone climbed the hill, and they took buckets up the hill with them to pour water on this house, but that house burned long into that storm. And finally, when it was just a pile of ashes and the sizzling sound of the rain falling on those burnt timbers, somebody else shouted, look. And this time, they were pointing out towards the ocean. The first boat was on the horizon, and they could see it making the way back towards the dock. Now, some of them, they had sails missing. They were limping together as a a whole community of boats coming back into the dock. And everyone ran down to greet them, and one by one the boats came in, and every person in the fleet was accounted for, held in the arms of their loved ones, with Burl holding Jenny tight. Now Jenny, she was crying into his beard, and and he thought maybe at first it was because she was so upset and happy to see him at the same time, but then she kept crying, and he said, dearest, what's wrong? And she just, she couldn't say anything. She pointed up the hill to their burnt house. And he looked up and he saw the smoking ruins of their house and he began to laugh. Jenny stepped back as he laughed harder and harder. He was laughing so hard. Some of the other sailors had to come and pound him on the back so he could get, catch his breath. And when finally Jenny said, oh, my dear, you've gone mad in the storm. And he said, no, 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 I haven't gone mad. You see, when we were out in that storm, the waves were so high, we didn't know which way to go towards land. We knew that we were going to sink if we, unless we could turn our boats back towards shore, but we had no idea which way to go. And in the middle of the storm, I was afraid I was never going to see you again. And then, and then I saw a light, a light burning strong on the horizon when we turned our boats towards that and we sailed towards that light. And that light was our home burning bright to bring us all back. And he wrapped Jenny up in his arms again. He said, the light of our home brought me back to you. And it was, it was a celebration. Despite their house having burned down, the, house, the whole village helped them rebuild a cottage. And it was made out of stone this time. And their love burned bright and as long as they both happily lived.
0: What a lovely story. That was awesome. I love that story. That's a good one. It's <laughs> a really good one. Ah, the third story for the episode is by our host, Isabel Hauser. Before you tell your story, do you want to share what you've been up to, Isabel?
2: Well, I think the most exciting thing that has happened to me is that I travelled to Japan. The faraway land of Japan, and it was just the most exotic and beautiful thing that I have ever experienced in my entire life.
3: I'm very jealous.
2: Yes, and not only that, not only did I eat food that looked and tasted like art, I also saw the many-tailed fox Kitsune in the bamboo grove. I sipped matcha tea with a geisha and one moonlit night at the foot of Mount Fuji, I even saw the lovely vision of Princess Moonlight herself, Kaguya Hime. And it was just the most magical thing. And every night I dream of going back and spending more time there than just three weeks. So this just is now... Yeah, I-
0: so what story are you going to tell us? Th-
2: well, the story that I brought you is not from Japan. Oh. It's from my neighboring country, Germany. And it's one of my favorite Christmas tales. It's a story from um, Nuremberg, as we say in German. Um, and in English, I think you say Nuremberg. But you may correct me if I'm wrong.
3: <laughs> you're right.
2: You're right. So, A long, long time ago in Nuremberg, there lived a baker. He was a hard worker and a smart one too, and because he worked so hard and because he was so smart, he managed to amount quite the fortune. So he and his family lived in a nice house in the center of the town. The top two floors were their apartments and on the ground floor he had a shop where his wife and his daughter Clara would sell the cakes and the patisserie and the breads and in the back he had his bakery where he worked not only by himself but also with um, an employee Jacob and you know Jacob and Clara they were about the same age and you can imagine that they took a liking of each other. But of course they never said anything. But when Jacob was in the back kneading the dough and he would hear Clara's voice at the front in the shop, he would, oh, he would begin to dream. And whenever he brought a tray with freshly baked croissants and their hands would touch, Clara did not know where to look and she just just giggled. And, they never said anything to each other but of course the baker he noticed that and he was not pleased. So first he talked to Jacob and he said Jacob listen up I did not work that hard for all my life that my daughter would marry someone as lowly as you you're just an employee. No. She can and will do better than this and stop talking to her. Stop being so nice to her. She's not for you. And then she also, he also talked to Clara and he said to her, listen, I did not work that hard for all my life that you would marry a poor fellow like Jacob. No, no. You can and you will do better, at least the son of a doctor or a lawyer, or maybe even a prince. So stop making eyes at
3: my employee. Well, you know,
2: do you think you can just push a button and switch the feelings off? I think we've all made that experience. No, that is not possible. And when Christmas came around, they put up one of the first Christmas markets, one of the first kindle markets. And Clara and her mother, they begged the baker that one evening they would go to the market all together. And finally, the baker gave in. And one evening, the baker and his wife and his daughter, they left the shop, they left the house to go and look at the Kiskin Market, with a beautiful decorated tree with golden angels and the stalls where it smelled of of cakes and roasted chestnuts and mulled wine. And And Clara was so excited. Meanwhile, Jacob stayed back. He was at the bakery and he was mixing the dough to make gingerbread. So he mixed the spices and the eggs and the flour and the sugar and the honey. And when he rolled out the dough, ah, he thought of Clara and he began to dream. He dreamt that he would put a ring on her finger. And so he took out a knife and without thinking, he cut out the shape of a ring from the gingerbread dough. And he thought how how much he would love her and he cut out little hearts and how happy she would make him and he cut out fur leaf clover and lucky mushrooms and um, horse shoes and, well, he used up all the dough. It was time for baking, but then he thought of, oh, he thought of the her beautiful milky white Skin and and he mixed the glaze with sugar and lemon juice, and he glazed the rings and the the mushrooms and the hearts. And then and then he thought of the the blush on her cheeks when their hands would touch, and so he added a dash of raspberry juice to the glaze, and and it gave the most beautiful blush pink. And he glazed the hearts and the fur leaf clovers and. And well, he'd use up all the glaze. And so he put the tray with those beautiful shapes into the oven and they baked and it smelled so lovely. And he was dreaming of Clara and all of a sudden the door of the bakery flew open and the baker came back. He was in bright spirits and he walked into the bakery and said, well, Jacob, where is the gingerbread for tomorrow? And Jacob, he, he took out the tray out of the oven because it was just done. And he, he placed it in front of the baker. And he saw that the baker's face clouded and that he grew angry. And then the baker thundered, what is this? What on earth is this? pointing at the hearts and the rings and 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 Jacob said, well, well well this is all sorts, all sorts of gingerbread. And the baker said, all sorts. You have wasted my expensive ingredients. I can no longer work with you. Get out of my sight. Take your all sorts of gingerbread and leave.
3: And Jacob, he didn't know what
2: to say. So without saying anything, he just put all his gingerbread in a bag and he left. It was the middle of the night and he only had one friend to go to. So he knocked on that friend's door and and he told him what happened and the friend offered his couch and Jacob lay on the couch and and he thought of Clara and, and, and tears welled up in his eyes and he began to cry and he cried until he fell asleep because, oh, he did not know what to do. And in his sleep, he had a dream. Jacob dreamed that he was at the Christmas market. That he was standing right next to the beautifully decorated pine tree. He looked about the tree, and he saw a golden angel looking down at him. The angel actually looked into his eyes, and then smiled and winked and and pointed to his feet. And Jacob looked down and. And there he saw a small table covered with white cloth and on that cloth, all sorts of gingerbread.
3: And when Jacob woke up, he had an idea.
2: He took the bag with the rings and the hearts and the clover and he went to the Christmas market. He borrowed a small table and he borrowed a piece of white cloth and he covered the table and he laid out all of his gingerbread And before he had actually laid all of them out, the first children started coming to his table. Mommy, mommy, look at this. I've never seen anything like this. It smells so good. It smells so tasty. Can I have one? Please, will you buy me one? Please, will you get me one? And before Jacob knew what happened, his all sorts of gingerbread had sold out. And he had a small pouch full of money, enough money to go and buy ingredients. And so he bought more ingredients, he bought the flour and the sugar and the spices and the honey, and he made more gingerbread. Meanwhile, the baker wasn't quite so lucky. Clara was crying so hard at Jacob's departure that her eyes were red and swollen and she was unable to speak. She was Jacob, <laughs> Jacob. It was impossible to send her to the shop to sell. That was not quite the holiday spirit the baker wanted to sell in his shop. So his wife had to do everything by herself and he was alone in the bakery. He did not know what to do. He was not an octopus. He only had his two hands and those two hands were not enough to get on top of things. And then on top of everything, he heard a customer, not only one, but several come into his shop and say, "Naturally, I, I, I'm not going to get my gingerbread here now because there's this young fellow at the Christmas market and he sells all sorts of gingerbread. I've never seen the likes of it. It is incredible. Well, and the baker realized that he had made a grave mistake. So he wiped his hands. He took off his apron. He went to the Christmas market where right next to the beautifully decorated pine tree, he saw a small table covered with white cloth and behind it, a beaming, flourishing Jacob. He walked up to Jacob and he bought the last pieces of the all sorts of gingerbread. And he reached out a hand to Jacob and said, Jacob, I have been a fool and I am sorry. You are a lot smarter than I give you credit for, and I think that you will make a worthy husband for my daughter. And so before the midnight bells rang Christmas, Jacob put a golden ring on Clara's finger, and the two of them, and the baker and his wife,
3: lived happily ever after.
0: That was an excellent story.
2: And Actually, actually, um, when you go to um, Nuremberg and even at the supermarkets here in Switzerland, you can buy this all sorts of gingerbread. It's these ah. cute little shapes of gingerbread glazed in white and blush pink. And now you know the story behind it. If ever you come and have some.
0: I'll have to That's make a trip. Funny.
2: Yeah, yeah, time it's time to time to take the podcast on the road. Yes. <laughs> It'd be
0: very from, well from so. Nuremberg to Japan, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank you for listening to the story story podcast show the love come find us online tell us you heard us on the podcast want to hear more stories you can go find your favorite tellers from the past episodes go find them discover what you can what they can bring to your home storytelling as an art has so many incredible artists and you can really go find them and enjoy their work in person or online.
0: And did you know that you can connect with me at simonbrooksstoryteller.com. Diamonds Creek? Yep, yeah, that's me. With Isabel at isabelhauser.com. And with Rachel Ann at com. You can email us on the podcast at storystorypodcast at gmail.com. The music is by Poddington Bear.
1: So we're still navigating a hiatus and we don't know. um, We're going to, we're just going to take that line again. (laughs) We're still navigating a hiatus and we know that some of you are asking when the podcast will return and we are still working on that. For those who don't know me, I'm Rachel Ann Harding. I've produced the show since its um, beginning back in 2016. And so all of the planning, editing, and posting are the jobs that I do, but I have a full-time job and now a new baby. So I'm I'm learning to balance all of that. And at this point, we know that we'll be surprising you every once in a while with host-led shows to light up your days with a pinch of fairy dust
2: when you least expect it. This podcast has made possible... Uh, this podcast has been made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for supporting this podcast with your kindness and listening. There will be more stories down the road. And until then, live exactly
0: happily ever, ever after. Uh, after.
2: Mary Kate opened up the door and there on the doorstep wrapped in his own blanket... And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, You can even hear the festive music from the royal court.
3: Recording in progress.
1: Progressive recording you know, I can cut all this stuff out. So you guys don't have to like sit really quietly. Okay. Let's do this.
3: Once upon a time and welcome to buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.